Over 1 billion cups of Celestial Seasoning Sleepy Time Tea have been sold, but many are unaware of its founder's inspiration. A fringe religion with extraterrestrial ties created by a pair of Chicago doctors who had some controversial thoughts on how to improve humanity. This week's episode is The Urantia Book, Inspiration for Sleepy Time Tea. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Well, I got a little box of this in my tea cabinet right now. I think most of us do. I do as well. That little bear. So cute. You look at him and you just think, I want to be cuddly and cozy like that little bear in his PJs and nightcap. Right. It's a good way to wind down at the end of the day. Get some tea. If your throat hurts, they make celestial seasonings. Their vanilla chamomile is one of my favorite ones. It's like honey. I think it's honey vanilla chamomile. It's my favorite one. You've been talking about that tea. Since I met you. And that's not a joke. <laughs> it's my go-to tea. It's my go-to at-home tea. And no idea about any of this. <laughs> no? Until someone, multiple people actually sent it in through the form. And this was a runner-up in a Patreon vote. But it was it was intriguing. Yeah. And most people said, I know this didn't win, but we'd still really like it if you cover that. So to everyone that voted on this one and wanted it, here you go. We are all going to learn a lot about the tea that we probably all have in our kitchen right now. We're about to bring you the tea on the tea. Before before we were really deep into researching this, I was discussing with my fellow volunteer that I volunteer with, and he was a freshman at University of Texas in 1969, 1970. And I mentioned to him, yeah, I kind of tell him what we cover on the show and just bounce it off of him. And he was like, Urantia. I haven't thought about that in a minute. And he said that he remembers a classmate of his at UT when this, the early 1970s, when it was coming around, trying to foist this religion on him. He said he gave me the book and said, I really think you'll get a lot out of this. And he said, I look, took one look at it and thought, no, I won't. He said, I gave it back. Not I didn't read me. it. I'll drink a cup of tea, but I'm not yeah. going to buy into eugenics. Sorry. Yeah, not, not a big old cup of genocide. <laughs> not for me. But it is, uh, some people have found, they found something in it. (laughs) Well, I think like most religions, air quotes, you pick and choose what you want to take away from it. So that's probably what happened here. Although when a big chunk of your ideologies are extremely problematic, maybe maybe you look to a different book. Yeah, whenever you start going, listen. Everybody's got a color. And you're like, wait a minute. And you're like, some are worse, some are better. And you're like, don't say it. Stop and you're like, listen, the white one's better. And you're like, uh oh, there nope, it is. Nope, nope. Oh, yeah. that tea was good, but it's not that good. Yeah. The you only uh, Urantia we're into is Hidden Valley Urantia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it. I just want everyone to know that on our shared Google <laughs> calendar for the show, I had to ask Heather. In two weeks, I go, what is ranch day? It is on our show calendar. And she's like, it's National Ranch Day. And I was like, fuck. We got to celebrate with some wings and some ranch. 
We will. We've got our ranch on the branch. There it's uh, March 10th. So it's actually this week is national. Ra- the week that you hear this wow. the, uh, Friday will be national ranch day. We're going to be in Portland, Oregon. We'll raise a glass. <laughs> glass of ranch. Glass of Hidden Valley. We're going to be in Tacoma and Portland this week. Yes. This will come out the day of the Portland Portland show. So if you're hearing this on Wednesday, come out and see us in Portland. Grab your tickets before it's too late, and we'll see you at the Helium Comedy Club in Portland, March 8th. And then from there, go to SinisterHood.com slash live shows if you're not in Portland, because we might be coming to a city near you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a super fun time. And for this week, we're going to have, uh, it's not as heavy as we've been doing. I won't yes. call it a fun one, but I think we'll have fun with it. It's a weird and wacky uh, system, and the background of it is also weird and wacky, and we love that. Yes, a little break from the uh, multiple homicides. We've been gruesome ones at that, too, that we've been covering. We have been, yes. yes. It's time for a brain break for all of us. A cup of tea. Let's have a cup of... Oh, let's do. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. If you find yourself needing to wind down at the end of a tough day... A warm mug of hot tea may be just the thing. Each year, millions of people reach for the box of Sleepy Time Tea on their grocery store shelves, featuring the sweet, cuddly bear in the nightcap. What most consumers don't know is the makers of this multi-million dollar tea empire were inspired in part by a fringe belief system involving extraterrestrials, other universes, and eugenics called the Urantia Book. The Urantia book is published by the Urantia Foundation, which lists its official start date as 1950. However, its headquarters, located near Clark and Diversity in Chicago's north side, were home to a couple, William and Lena Sadler, for decades before that. It was with the Sadlers in this four-story stone building that the text of the Urantia book took shape. And this neighborhood is famous for, I mean, it's the near north side off of Clark. Right down Clark Street is Wiener Circle. If you haven't been there, is it check it out. A bunch of hot dog places? It is a it's one single hot dog place and it's famous because the folks behind the counter have got uh it's kind of I won't say it's like Dick's Last Resort because it's better than that. It's but they they kind of razz you. If you like mm. if you don't know what you want, they're like, Come on, come on, tell me what you want. It's very high energy. They yell, there's like a secret menu that you can ask for certain things that they'll, you know, uh there was I believe a rumor that if you ask for a shake in a certain way, they would lift their shirts. <laughs> they would, What's the name everybody. of the place? Uh, the Wiener Circle. Oh, that's today. I thought the Wiener Circle was a neighborhood, and that be. the restaurant was the center point of this. But the restaurant is called Wiener Circle. Uh, now that you say that, I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure they call it like the Clark and Diversity area or near North Side. They should just call the neighborhood Wiener, Wiener Circle. Circle neighborhood. Where do you live, Wiener Circle? Yeah, they know. One, One two, you know. three, four, Wiener Circle. <laughs> you can find me there. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Apparently, there's ranch with this Wiener Circle because it is blocks away. Mm. William Sadler was born June 24, 1875, in Spencer, Indiana. According to the book, God Talk, Travels in Spiritual America by Brad Gooch, William didn't receive a formal education. His mother was an adherent of the Seventh-day Adventist denomination of Christianity, who believed that the second coming of Christ will occur soon, and that it will be literal, personal, visible, and worldwide. According to the BBC, William's mother passed her beliefs along to her son. The Seventh-day Adventist was a bit like the God Salvation cult we covered here with the, there's like, there's a date certain that the world's going to end. And boy, it came and went. <laughs> but Did they pick a new date? 
They did. Then they just kept kicking the when can. When is it now? <laughs> that's the right answer. When you go, the world will end. Because guess what? You're right. It will. The sun's going to explode. You think that's how it's going to go? I believe. Well, my eight-year-old niece told me that. She said she read it in a book that that's how we're going. The sun's exploding? Yeah, it's going to explode. She said Damn. in like 10 billion years, so it won't even matter to you. Like, okay, <laughs> well, well, that's comforting in a weird way. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. There's a Seventh-day Adventist, I believe, over in East Dallas. Oh, I'm sure. I think there's one of Mesquite as well. I mean, it's pretty prevalent. It's become, I feel like it's kind of become its own thing apart from Doomsday. But the start off, the way it started was, I think, a soldier in the War of 1812 had this vision and then was telling him, hey, it's going to be this day. And then it wasn't that day. Mm. And then you push it and you push it. And then and the God Salvation Church just hung up their hats and we're done. Their cowboy but, hats. <laughs> and their bicycles. <laughs> In 1889, William moved to Battle Creek, Michigan, to work at the famous Battle Creek Sanitarium, run by John Harvey Kellogg and his family. Here, the Kelloggs, known today for their many breakfast cereals like Corn Flakes and Special K, hosted the political elites and celebrities of the time at their wellness retreats, where treatments often included off-the-wall methods such as high-fiber diets and frequent enemas. Like William Sadler, the Kelloggs were also Seventh-day Adventists, and the sanitarium was run on the same beliefs. You've seen Dracula Dead and Loving It? <laughs> no. Oh my I God. Haven't. It's so good. It's Mel Brooks. It stars Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. Oh, wait a minute. Peter McNichol plays Dracula. I think Renfrew. I have seen this, actually. Yeah. yeah. I believe it's Harvey Corman plays a Kellogg esque character, and he's Renfield, so it's Peter McNichol who's kind of losing it. And the Harvey Corman's character's like, give him an enema. Give him mm. another enema. And you keep giving an enema, giving him enemas until he figures out what's wrong with him. And I just thought it was funny as a kid. And then my mom was like, no, that's like a real, that's the, the cereal guy. That's the guy. They were just squirting water people's asses. Oh, man. And fiber and water. God. constant <laughs> diarrhea. It has to be a sanitarium because everyone's just shitting. God. Didn't you say there's also a more recent movie? There it's yeah well it's from 19 it's from around the same time like the 90s a book came out so T.C. Boyle is one of my favorite authors I love all of his short stories but he also wrote a historical novel about the Kellogg's and the Battle Creek Sanitarium called The Road to Wellville and then they turned that into a movie it had like John Cusack Anthony Hopkins Matthew Broderick John Cusack and Matthew Broderick nice. I mean come on it's like two of my childhood mm -hmm. loves there but yeah it was just I, I don't know that the movie involves as much Squirting up the ass is reality, but you got to cut it for ratings. Yeah, I mean, in time, you know, you can't have like a two week movie. And it's just enemas the whole time. <laughs> it was there that William met John Kellogg's niece, Lena, a nurse. The pair fell in love and married in 1897. William and Lena eventually headed to San Francisco to study medicine. After graduation, William worked as a general practice physician, a surgeon and a self-taught psychiatrist. Lena practiced as an OBGYN. William was also a prolific author who wrote dozens of books throughout his career, mostly explaining new developments in the medical and psychiatric field and debunking claims of mediums and the supernatural. We kind of talked about this in Casadega, how Harry Houdini was very obsessed with pulling the curtain back on people that were taking advantage of others. Yes. Yeah. Was it also, though, that he didn't like competition, maybe? 
He's like, I'm telling you that I'm doing magic and you need to pay your ticket. They're not, they're lying to you and saying they're magic. Cause he would say like, oh, this is a trick or like I practice. But I think he, I, there was some connection. I can't remember if it was his mom wanted to talk to his dad or there was some, he was trying to talk to his mom, I guess. And so people would prey on him and try to say, oh, I can get you a conversation mm-hmm. with your mom. So I think that pissed him off. And so uh, William Sadler also, he wrote books where he would say like, oh, you know, people think that they're hearing spirits in the night, but probably it's your subconscious. He connected paranormal experiences to uh, psychiatric episodes. Mm-hmm. Like you're maybe you're guilty about something or whatever. It definitely is an industry where the vulnerable can be preyed upon. So I totally get that. Can we talk a second about how you can just back then you could be a self-taught psychiatrist? Things were loose, man. (laughs) You didn't have to go to eight years of school to get a PhD. You just were like, and now I'm a psychiatrist. Please welcome. Sit on the couch. Let's talk about your life. Tell me your deep, dark secrets. Yeah, back then, I think it was a matter of uh, just hanging a shingle up, just telling people that's what you're <laughs> yeah. doing, just free market. You got to put like, a sign need- out front, and then you're legit. If you don't have a sign, <laughs> fuck right off. Nobody's Sorry, stopping. You went, you went to a guy without a sign? You're like, he had a diploma in his office. I don't give a fuck about a diploma. <laughs> Did he have a sign? Was Come it on. neon? <laughs> Fatima's <laughs> Psychic Studio. That's the second time I've burned <laughs> Fatima's in the past 24 hours. We're going to get a cease and desist. <laughs> Oh, well, if they were true psychics, they would already know that I was saying it. So but they don't because they're frauds. And I'm saying that because like 20 people that live in Salem message us after that episode. And we're like, oh, yeah, don't they're do frauds. That. Don't go there. Yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. Their lineup includes 14 unique mattresses. They've got a collection of luxury models, mattresses for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids that's been awarded Best Mattress Winner by Parents Magazine. But Christy, how will folks know what mattress works best for them? What do people love more than taking quizzes on the internet? It could not be easier. You just have to take the sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. I took that Helix sleep quiz and I was matched with the Moonlight Luxe model because I needed something that was both firm and supportive for me when I sleep on my side or stomach a flip-flop all night long. How appropriate for our full moon energy tour that you've got the Moonlight mattress. I have the sunset, but you know what happens after the sunset? The moon comes out, baby. I... I got the sunset because I like uh, I like to sleep on my side. And I also don't like motion transfer, and it's been great for both. Mm-hmm. Everybody is unique. So Helix offers models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side, models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions, plus what we all need in Texas, enhanced cooling features that help regulate your body temperature, whatever the season may be. Oh, I love that, man, that cooling. Y'all, just so you know, not only is Helix the best mattress we both have slept on, but setup is fast and easy. It is delivered right to your door in a box for free. And by supporting Helix, you're allowing them to support us and our show, which we appreciate. Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash creepy. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. In 1911, the pair was living in Chicago, where William studied evangelism at the Moody Bible College. 
he and Lena generally abandoned the Seventh-day Adventist denomination after her uncle was excommunicated from the religion. The couple would soon have no need for an established religion, as they were about to develop a new one of their own. It's interesting that he is kind of this evangelical Christian, but he's also very science-minded and trying to debunk these claims of mediums and the supernatural, but he's very steadfast in his own beliefs and faith. That's a good point. And I think you're you're pulling on a thread that explains sort of this whole thing. Yeah. Of his obsession with the cutting, cutting edge of science. I mean, he wanted she was uh, for for what she's got to say later. I'm not here to be a Lena Sadler apologist, but she was well known of, of ex- trying to the, they both were trying to explain new developments in technology and medical technology that would otherwise freak people out. Like they would say, uh, people were like, vaccines? You mm. want to inject me with a little bit of, the- oh, no, not a vaccine. And then they would go and do speeches or he would write books explaining it, trying to or writing newspaper articles to try to bring the common man to the cutting edge of technology. Which is why what's about to happen is so bizarre. It's a left turn. It is hard left. William had made a name for himself in social circles, debunking outlandish stories of mediums and others with paranormal claims, even helping Harry Houdini in his work exposing fraudulent mediums. In a book he published on the subject, Dr. Sadler wrote off paranormal experiences as acts or perceptions driven by the subconscious. However, there was one incident that he could not debunk. In 1911, Sadler's neighbor reached out in need of his skeptical opinion. The neighbor had been sleep-talking, and the man's wife had trouble waking him. William went over and began listening to the man's nighttime murmurs. William would later refer to his neighbor as the sleeping subject. Sadler sat by while the sleeping man delivered messages. Upon listening, Dr. Sadler realized that the nighttime mumblings weren't the subject's own thoughts. Instead, they were actually transmissions received from celestial beings. And I think this is a moment. And there it is. (laughs) It's your crossroads. <laughs> and we're back to the, the crossroads. crossroads. You yeah. Lonely. yeah, we're back. You could go any direction. It's an interesting leap for someone that is so hard science minded to jump to, oh, these are aliens communicating through my neighbor while he sleeps. Yeah, not just my neighbor has maybe ate some bad chili before he went to sleep and is like, oh, fucking kill me. Oh, God, my stomach. Whatever at night. Oh, but fuck. Instead, I wish I wasn't even on this planet. God, oh, this gas is going to skyrocket me into another universe. Aliens? No. <laughs> a transmission. <laughs> Give him an enema and then we'll know. Oh, God. An enema after chili? Nope. Yeah. Oh. Sadler later wrote, The man is utterly unconscious, wholly oblivious to what takes place, and, unless told about it subsequently, never knows that he has been used as a sort of clearinghouse for the coming and going of alleged extraplanetary personalities. Eventually, Dr. Sadler brought in a stenographer, their close friend, Christy Christensen, to write out all the transmissions. Well, this is when you add another cook to the kitchen, yeah, you got doctor and the doctors, Sadler, so both of them. And then they're like, hey, buddy. She, they said Christy was kind of like a adopted daughter that they kind of took her in and stuff. So she's in the inner circle now. She's in the inner circle. Writing it down. As time progressed, Dr. Sadler discovered that the beings would not only send transmissions, but also respond to questions. 
With this opportunity, Dr. Sadler began asking the celestial bodies, via the sleeping subject, about the genesis of the universe, the meaning of life, and beings outside of Earth. The answers came. On the eternal plane, Earth is known as Urantia. One of untold numbers of other planets, Urantia is governed by a central celestial body, and now members of that body were reaching out to our planet via the sleeping subject to make contact. Over the course of 250 night sessions from 1911 to 1923, Dr. Sadler continued meeting with the sleeping subject and taking in the celestial beings' transmissions. So many years. That's so many years to just go to this dude's house. 250? That's almost an entire solid year of you just having to deal with Dr. Sadler coming over at night. What's... What's the sleeping subject's wife doing? You don't. You can't relax when somebody else is in your house. You're already not getting sleep because your husband won't shut up while you're trying to snooze. And now you got this psychiatrist, self-proclaimed, there all <laughs> when you were like, maybe this really rational doctor can come over and give me some answers. Well, ma'am, turns out it's aliens and your husband is a conduit for their message. Yeah, not what you expected when you call her the guy that wrote like 50 skeptical books. You're like, this is it. Great. I got the guy. And she's the guy that's asleep is like, I promise I'm getting messages. I'm getting messages. No, you're not, honey. No, you're not. And then the doctor goes, he's getting messages. Yes, he is. Oh, that caused a riff between them. You know, <laughs> she's like, for once, could you let me have something, Jerry? No, he can't. Jerry's like, listen, Dr. Sadler's coming over again. He's coming over again. Fine. I'll sleep in the basement. <laughs> I hope you all have fun with your stenographer. Oh, uh-oh. You think there was something going on? Just a lot of writing. <laughs> well, writing leads to loving. That's right. You got a a sentence like, no one's ever said. Oh, no. <laughs> writing Every leads writer's to like, loving. That's why I became a writer. Get laid. Yeah. Read my book. And several <laughs> weeks later, we'll fuck. <laughs> weeks? You got a quick turnaround time. Pump out a book in a week. In 1923, the Sadlers began inviting people into their salon, a large room used for entertaining guests, on Sundays to discuss the messages. When they began sharing answers from the Celestials as disseminated through the sleeping subject, more questions arose. The folks gathering with the Sadlers became known as the Forum. Throughout their discussions, the group came up with 4,000 questions they wanted the Celestial beings to answer. Sadler passed the questions on to the sleeping subject and returned weeks later with the answers. Sadler told the group that the subject had written all 475 pages, answering the messages in a single night. That's a lot of answers coming rapid fire. I want to know the process for submitting a question. Could you just submit anything? Because it sounds like if you have 4,000 that anybody could write, there was just a box and they're like, Fill out a piece of paper, just drop it in the box. We're going to have the sleeping subject answer it, and then it could be anything. It's like a complaint box. <laughs> what are you going to do about your BO? Uh, well, that's not a question for the sleeping subject. <laughs> oh, I guess I'll figure it out on my own. No, that's on the office when they <laughs> like, what are you, you going to do something about your morning breath, about your coffee breath? Yeah, you, I guess you put in a box, a, a suggestion box, a question box, and then there should be, in my opinion, if you're going to go to, if, Let's just say, taking it as fact, 
that there's a some sort of a heavenly realm that's way, way, way more advanced and beyond us. And they have deigned it appropriate to reach down through the heavens and speak to us. And you want to run at them with 4,000 questions? They're going to leave. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. And to answer them all in a night, man, <laughs> efficient. Either that or the aliens are like, yes, no, no next yeah. question. Not answer. No comment. Plead <laughs> the fifth. What would you ask them? Oh, that's a great question. I would ask, can I have unlimited questions? <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. Like when you wish for a genie, you got to wish for more answers or more questions. Or James Acaster said, wish for more genies. And then that fixes your second wish, which is more friends. <laughs> I think I would ask maybe like, what's our purpose on like, what's the meaning of life? Although I feel like I know it's just like, do your best to be kind to people. But if they were like, you need to build a machine to save humanity, be like, all right, I'll get going. Like, I would say like, what's our purpose Mm. as humanity? How do we, how can we create peace among ourselves? Then you're not going to like the answer though. (laughs) If it's coming from the sleeping subject. Yeah. They gave they told you how, but it's not something that we want to do. No, not at all. I think I would ask, What's it like where you are? What's it like? I think, it, yeah. What? How can you describe it in earthly terms? It, or like, what else what is like? out there? Can I come visit? That'd probably be my first. Qu- well, I got several since we're doing 4,000. I'd also yeah. ask to come visit. Ask for some pics. Send pics. Send, <laughs> send pics. Uh, I would want to know, too, like, how do we make contact with other planets? Mm-hmm. And should we? Oh, just because you can doesn't mean you should. This is what we learned from Jurassic Park. Yes. Eventually, more members wanted to join the group, and it grew from just 30 to over 486 people taking part in the gatherings. The forum became a weekly meetup where the Saddlers would discuss the being's messages. At the top of the forum's hierarchy was the upper echelon of members known as the Contact Commission. Made up of the Saddlers, their close friend, Christy Christensen, Cousins Anna and Wilford Kellogg, and later the Sadler's adult son, Bill Jr. The Contact Commission was the only group of people who knew the true identity of the sleeping subject. This is a religion for you because you start getting layers and levels. Like, I'm I'm in charge, and then there's people beneath me, and then y'all, it's a pyramid. Yes. Uh, Much like religion, much like politics, much like most things, there's a hierarchy. And if you're not at the top of that pecking order, what's the point? Right. Scratching your way up. Mm -hmm. Capitalism, all of it. It's all a pyramid scheme. The final message from the Celestials was delivered in 1935. It was a directive that Dr. Sadler gather all the messages into a single book and publish it. The result was the Urantia book, a 2097 page tome that claimed to be the fifth apocal revelation to humankind, published in 1955. The Urantia message spread from the small salon in Chicago where the Sadlers got started, with the Urantia book eventually being translated into 20 other languages. I believe this weighs about four pounds. My God. That is bigger. It's long. Oh, it's huge. It looks, I mean, if I was stacking a couple of Twilight books on themselves, and I was like, (laughs) how many pages are, and each Twilight book was like 700 and whatever pages, and I was, now that I think about it, if it's 700 pages numbered that would mean it's twice as many so that'd be about 1400 pages so it's slightly thicker than a twilight book well it's slightly it's thicker than three of them yeah it's a lot you can get through the uh, whole series basically so i got the audiobook 
was listening to it in my car. It's 37 hours long. God. And the thing that sort of piqued my interest at the beginning is the introduction. And it says, it's there's no author, right? Because it's the sleeping subjects and the, and the celestial bodies. But the introduction's like, listen, you're going to hear some things in these pages. You have to read the whole thing. Otherwise, whatever you quote from this, you're taking it out of context. A lot of people try to misquote us, but you have to read the whole thing and then you get the whole context. And I'm like, listen, man, uh, let's just call it what it We're is. We're not doing that. So no. you got to give your elevator pitch up top because otherwise yeah. no, people aren't going to listen to the whole thing. Get all your best stuff up top. It's like me with the Marie Kondo book. I knew I was supposed to read the whole thing. You're <laughs> supposed to read the whole thing and then do it. I got about 75% through and i said i got it and now i'm always wondering where my shit is and it's because it didn't bring me joy and i threw it out but really it did kind of bring me some joy or at least served a purpose and i tossed it because i didn't finish the book Goddamn! inside the pages of the book the celestials provided answers to many questions that had been henceforth unanswered the first part of the book is titled the central and super universes telling the story of the universe of universes the second is called The Local Universe, the story of our part of the galaxy. The third is The History of Urantia, the universal name for Earth, and discusses the evolution of our planet. The fourth and final part, called The Life and Teachings of Jesus, discusses the story of the Son of God and the Son of Man. This is also the part of the book where there's just a number of lists, and they would be like, the galaxy is located in one of many super universes. The super universes are numbered. The first super universe. And then it just would, it would be a list. And I was like, this is like fucking BuzzFeed listicles wrote mm -hmm. or Bible. Because it would just be a list. Okay, the next thing. Here's another list. And it was a long list. I think this is a, a an insight into William Sadler's thought process, though, of being very science-minded, but having this adherence to Christianity that, of course, if he's the curator of this book, Jesus is going to get... Front and center. I mean, he's right up in there. He's going to get his due time. Sinisterhood will be right back. I feel freshest when my nails are freshest. Yeah. If my nails don't look good, I feel like I can't leave the house. Like everything <laughs> about me is just off. But yeah. all of in June, they're never off. They're always on, Heather. I know. When your nails are nice, I don't bite them. And that's a problem I have too. Mm -hmm. But. With Olive and June, do it all at home. If you need a refresher, here is why Olive and June is freaking amazing. With the Olive and June Manny system, you can treat yourself to beautiful nails all year long. Their nail polishes last seven or more days and they don't chip. Their Manny system is the ultimate secret behind salon perfect nails right in the comfort of your own home. All in one, no guessing, no messing, no salon price tag. What do you love the most about doing your own nails with Olive and June? Me? Yes. The poppy. I knew it. Me too. Mm-hmm. That poppy just hits different. It's so it, much it better. It makes it, I don't know. I don't understand physics. <laughs> I'm not a physicist. But something about this patented poppy, it allows you to paint both hands, but specifically your non-dominant, with ease and grace. And, pre and precision. Mm -hmm. I've never been more precise. And when your nails look professionally done at home... With the poppy, it doesn't look like I maybe let my dog try to paint my nails right. because they're all sloppy and wild looking. But we love Olive and June and my all those nail polish colors. I buy them for myself and then my dear mother comes mm. and will be like, Do you need did you need all of these? So it's become something we can share with each other. Aww. 
I suggest getting the Olive and June Manny system with the six polishes in case you want to share. And it breaks down to just $2 per Manny. You spend $35 for one gel, Manny. Mm -hmm. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. No more having to make appointments or travel to a salon. I try to leave my house the least amount possible. This is great for me. Turned so hot today. Oh, so God. Hot. Why? Just stay at home with Olive and June. Visit <laughs> oliveandjune.com slash creepy for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash C-R-E-E-P-Y for 20% off your first Manny system. The book describes the Holy Trinity, God, how the universe is structured, life on other worlds, angels, heaven, and life after death. It debunks modern religions and explains how the Holy Trinity, taught in many denominations of Christianity, is wrong. In fact, there are three trinities and seven triunities with different members in each. And there it goes. And it's, it's too like, much. I'm already out. There's too much to keep up with. It's like watching Game of Thrones. There's too many characters. It's too confusing. Exactly. You got to have like a fucking whiteboard to keep track of all this. I just, I don't have the mental capacity to follow a religion like this. It was rough. I mean, even listening to it and I was trying, I'm like, I'll listen to it while I'm driving. So I don't really zone. I zoned out every time. Every time. I, would, I was having to rewind it, but it, it just, it's minutia and, min and like layer it's very under dense yeah it needs to be shortened from 2097 pages to maybe 100 and just pick the best parts give me a tldr right up top and that way the back of it it's just, all of it is very opaque and there's like just listen it's that's what my friend said that when the person gave him the book was like it's in there the answers are in there and i said was this like a really cool hip friend he was like no he was kind of like crazy smart <laughs> guy you know like when somebody that's so smart you're like i don't know about him mm -hmm. i said okay well there it is that's the type of person where you're gonna read the front cover and it's very opaque and mystical and there's not really a, like listen this is gonna save your soul like we need to rebrand it nope you don't no you don't because you don't need people following this no. never mind the celestial messengers explain their various roles and identities as divine counselor, life carrier, midwayer commission, brilliant evening star, and perfecter of wisdom, among others. In explaining the setup of the universe, the celestials laid out the hierarchy of galaxies and planets, filled with untold numbers of beings on millions of planets and other solar systems. Unfortunately for us, Earth or Urantia, is near the bottom of the super universe's cosmic scale. Fucking burned. Rude. <laughs> no one wants to come here. Why would you create a religion that you're making up all the stuff that everybody's going to believe and you put yourself at the bottom? I wonder if you're trying to get people to believe that there are fantastic things so that they want to like read your book and ask questions and pay to go to seminars and stuff. And if you said, oh, all this magic stuff is here, you would have to prove it. But if you're oh. a professional debunker and you're like, everything amazing was either a bajillion years ago on Earth, Urantia, or it's in space and you can't get to it. And then the 1950s, this was pre-moon landing. I mean, we were kind of sending satellites or thinking about it. There's telescopes forever, but like you couldn't see. Basically, how it how it's explained is that it's like, so far out into space you can't even see it with a telescope so then of course you can't even debunk it the debunker has made himself debunking proof genius the third part provides the history of our universe from the early moments when our sun emerged from the andronover nebula 
all the way up through the birth of Jesus Christ. This includes the development of dinosaurs as well as the arrival of Adam and Eve on the planet. According to the book, Lucifer, Satan, Adam and Eve, and Jesus are all extraterrestrial beings who have visited Earth. After arriving on Earth, they flew about on large passenger birds called fandors, from which they looked down upon the vast stretches of the garden while being carried through the air over this, the most beautiful spot on Earth. I could get behind Jesus was an alien. I could get behind that. I want a fandor. Where are Hell these? Yeah. Why did these go extinct? When you envision this bird, what do you? What does it look like? It looks kind of a cross between the thing from shit. What's that thing that flies around? Falcor. Yeah. It looks like a cross between Falcor, um, a phoenix, mm-hmm. and a dragon. Fuck yeah. What does yours look like? I couldn't stop picturing ostriches, and I hate it. <laughs> Oh, that's way less <laughs> magical than mine. Because I was like, well, if it, I just, for some reason, I was like, it had to be big enough to put a saddle on it and ride on well, it. Well, ostriches can only get like a couple feet off the ground. Well, if these that. fandors, the fandors can go. But if you're riding on a bird, Adam and Eve did not have clothes. So you are mm-hmm. bare ass in the Mm-mm. back of whatever kind of bird it is. Feathers are going all Mm-mm. over the place. Feathers in all sorts of places. <laughs> well, they probably got a leaf or something. Put sure, a little <laughs> thing down there, a little saddle. <laughs> little, we gotta, that's how they had invented saddles because they were like, I got to get around it. <laughs> I can't do that again. <laughs> Finally, part four is the story of Jesus's life, including the years unaccounted for in the Bible when Christ was a toddler through his adult years. A total of 875 of the book's over 2,000 pages discuss the life of Jesus Christ. The beings on the Paradise Trinity one of the three trinities, send out, quote, creator sons, just like Jesus, to other planets, all of whom are believed by their planet's inhabitants to be the chosen son of God. Jesus Christ was the 611,121st creator son sent out by the paradise trinity. Jesus is also the seventh bestowal or incarnation of a creator son sent to our local universe, Michael of Nebadon, in which our planet of Urantia sits. So it's like Jesus is a tear, not a person. Kind of like a figurehead that can visit all sorts of planets. He's not an individual. He is more like an idea. I think it is that they have a team of Jesuses, a team of creators. It's like Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got one Santa and then you got a bunch of his helpers that go out to all the malls. Yeah, so you have the Paradise Trinity, which would be like the North Pole, and then you're going to Macy's, you're meeting a creator son, right? You're on your rancha, you're getting Jesus, which is just the mall Santa of your planet. And then there's another Santa at the, you know, Bloomingdale's, but that's a different planet in another galaxy, and he maybe looks a little different or looks like whatever the beings on that planet looks like. But at the end of the day, they're all connected back to the Paradise Trinity, who sends them all out. And they live and die like man on the planet. And then another one will come, like an incarnation. They'll send another creator son, another creator son. So Jesus was the seventh of the ones that have been sent to our planet. And they all have kind of the same ideologies. Make It's like a copy and paste situation. Yeah, it's kind of like love your neighbor, everybody come together. What happened, and one thing, you know, I'm not going to throw everything away. One thing I will agree was that the message that Jesus sent has been messed up throughout the years is kind of what this argument is like the paradise trinity sent him here to 
create peace on earth, bring everybody together. And y'all fucked up. You didn't listen. You've taken his message and twisted it and made it hateful, made it selfish, made it whatever. And that's why you're suffering is because you don't just do the, the basics, which is take care of your neighbor. Take care of yourself. Don't kill people. Don't hurt people. Like do your best. And because we have ignored that, then that's why our planet is in turmoil is because the seventh bestowal of our creator son, we ignored his message. Well, I can take some bits and pieces from that and agree with it. Yeah, right. So it's like, you know, it's one of those, if everybody really acted like Jesus, we'd all be quite nice. Everybody'd be lovely. But in fact, people just act like dickheads and be like, well, Jesus said this. And he's not around to go, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) But when the eighth bestowal comes, y'all are fucked. Mm -hmm. Lena Kellogg Sadler died in 1939. Her husband died 30 years later in 1969. This left the Contact Commission and the remaining forum members to continue spreading the message, now via the Urantia Foundation. Established in 1950, its mission is... To seed the Urantia book and its teachings globally. I don't like the expression, to seed. I'm trying to seed this book. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm trying to get it planted up in you. Like, stop <laughs> trying to plant shit in me. I'm a person. I'm not a dirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. anytime you hear seed, all I think is like, yeah. Tummies. Yeah. 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 yeah just yeah. Um, may I briefly on the the hand job gesture I just did that no one could see but you. Uh, I appreciated it. Thank you so much. When we talked about the peanut butter and jelly controversy on our recent unpopular opinion segment on Patreon. There's, and I'm sure you saw it in the Facebook group for our listeners. We have a Patreon exclusive Facebook group and folks were talking about whether or not they tried it and then various methods of making a PB and J and someone's like, yeah, like you got to get squirt, squirt jelly, like squeezable jelly. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, yeah, you got to jerk the jelly beforehand or that's going to drip out. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, like mustard <laughs> ketchup or ketchup mustard. or anything. <laughs> I don't know how we're in the year 2023 and somebody hasn't figured out how to prevent that from happening. I don't, we should have all of our top scientists on it. Why are we trying to create a lunar base on the moon or, you know, global warming? We'll figure that out too in due time. But can we just take a moment and focus on squeeze bottles of condiments that don't give me a little pre-drip that fucks my bread up? Just water. It's so gross. You got to shake it. Then you got to squirt it in the sink. Then you got shit in your sink. Then you got to make your sandwich. Do we all go back to the days of glass bottle condiments? I can't live like that. Are you kidding me? No. There's <laughs> You're not going to get a little jar of screw top mustard and a tiny little knife and put Do it on have, your bread? Do you have any Grey Poupon? <laughs> Grey Poupon is fucking good, though. I mean, it got a bad rap because of the commercials, and I feel like it became like this trope and meme. But can we all just agree that Grey Poupon actually is delicious? A turkey sandwich with oh, Grey Poupon? Come fucking on. Next level. Next level. I like to it's dip nice. pretzels in mustard. Oh, specifically shit. like kind of a spicy one like gray poupon let's it's get some good. for our company retreat let's get some pretzels and gray poupon and <laughs> our dip company it wellness retreat we're getting pretzels gray poupon lots of enemas only that's only enemas Coffee, regular kool-aid i don't know what else ranch who knows we'll yeah. see the teachings of the saddlers made it at least as far as boulder colorado in 1968 19-year-old avid hiker mo siegel began picking herbs from the Rocky Mountains for use in tea. Around the same time, Siegel was given the Urantia book. The teachings had been introduced to Siegel's friend group by John Hay, and Siegel's girlfriend gave him a copy of the book as a Christmas gift. Siegel describes reading the book as, 
a fascinating intellectual and spiritual adventure that shook up everything I thought I knew. The Urantia book inspired Siegel to examine his values and commit his life to health foods as he wanted to do something worthwhile that would make a positive difference in people's quality of life. Well, that's respectable. And you're making some good teas. You're out enjoying the nature, want to bring it to people. That's where it should stop. You know what? Uh, You don't need a four pound book full of some questionable suggestions to inspire you. I think the the inspiration was in you the whole time. Mm -hmm. Dumbo didn't need that feather, right? Like it was in you the whole time, buddy. Siegel brought these new teachings together with his love of hiking and herbs. He began selling his teas in health food stores under the name Moe's 36 Herb Tea, which eventually became Celestial Seasonings. As the business grew, the company evolved and in 1972 introduced what would become one of its flagship brands, the Sleepy Time Tea. The iconic blend of chamomile, spearmint, and other herbs featuring a cartoon bear in a nightgown and cap is the best-selling specialty tea of all time. Truly, it's a story of, you know, scrappy, hustling. You go from picking your own herbs, having your friends come over and help you use screen doors to, you know, filter Mm -hmm. through them, hand sewing them in little muslin pouches, walking them yourself, driving them to health food stores. Your friend's brother gives you 500 bucks and they incorporate the company. And like the idea that that has grown to billions of cups of tea a year is admirable. Oh, very. It's, uh, uh, I don't want to say rags to riches story but it's certainly starting from from nothing and building it into a billion dollar industry yeah hiking boots to riches at least <laughs> sinisterhood will be right back this show is sponsored by better help christy when's the time you've learned something new about yourself oh every day heather me too just i mean in, in this episode i've learned stuff about myself it's true we're all evolving we were talking about that earlier mm-hmm. you you want to Be the best you can be, and every day you want to learn something and change and grow and get better. Well, how do you do it? You know what? With my therapist and with journaling and with meditation. I love all three of those things. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I had this exact experience with BetterHelp because I had a lot of issues with perfectionism and stressing myself out with wanting to be a perfectionist. And I was able to express, I didn't even know to label it that until, and I thought, I'm not a perfectionist until I explained it to my therapist and we went through it together. And then she recommended a wonderful book for me and then some exercises I can do on my own. And it It's helpful to label something because when you label it, you know how to address it. Exactly. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sinister today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Sinister. In the 2007 book, You've Got to Read This Book, 55 People Tell the Story of the Book That Changed Their Life. 
Mo Siegel explained how he was introduced to the book that made all the difference in his life, the Urantia book. He credits the book with pushing me to choose good over greed and to care about the people I worked with, as well as the people who bought our products. It also inspired Siegel to print uplifting quotes on the side of the tea bag. Love them. One of my I, favorite parts of the that tea. That is. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you get a little cup of tea and then you get a little positive message to help you through your day. It's like those Dove chocolates. You ever eat those yeah. that are like, hug yourself today? Yeah. I'm like, thanks, Dove. Or um, Taco Bell hot sauce packets. <laughs> That's right. They're feisty. I like those packets. <laughs> I always wondered like, but why? Until about a week ago, we are all having Taco Bell and Tommy started just like handing certain ones to me and then through the Taco Bell packets, we had like a whole conversation. Look at that. Mm-hmm. See, Taco Bell brings people together. Can And some of them, racy. Yeah, so I'm saying they're feisty little <laughs> sauce packets. I and like I have a theory that what? the spicier the sauce, the spicier the message. So oh, mild, so. it's just like, hey, hey, friend. But then you get like fire and it's like, I will wanna, eat your ass. Want to fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking do it. Uh, yeah, those are, I love that there's a message on them. And it's, I think that it's because they assume that the children aren't going to reach for the fire sauce, but you don't know that. Oh, well, when you got Ella there, that's like, what does that say? And what does that say? And what does that say? And then you have to read them all. Whoops. That's how you learn. You know what? That is how you learn. I mean, that's how I learned about enemas. Yeah, I asked my mom. If Bella is going to learn about the birds and the bees from anyone, Tommy is going to say it's going to be Taco Bell. <laughs> that's the only way that you that's learn. The only in this way family. you learn. This family, know your rancher book. Throw that shit out. <laughs> the Bell House Supreme rules in this when family. Some beans and cheese love each other, and they want to start a family. They just get all rolled up in a little tortilla, and then. Just- when beans and cheese have been married for too long and need to spice things up, they bring in a third, and it's called chili sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and then the beans start talking weird stuff, and it's a message from God. <laughs> and then you've got your own religion. And then that's the cycle starts again. Mm-hmm. Another famous follower of Urantia made TV instead of tea. In 1987, television legend Norman Lear married documentary film producer Lynn Davis. Lear is responsible for developing over 100 television shows, including All in the Family, Sanford and Son, One Day at a Time, The Jeffersons, and Good Times. His wife, Lynn, was a strong adherent to the teachings of the Urantia book when the couple met and wanted to express her beliefs publicly. The couple sponsored career researcher Dr. Sue Oliva to manage a nonprofit website to introduce the teachings of the Urantia book to a wider audience, according to Dr. Oliva's LinkedIn profile. In an interview for a planned documentary on the Urantia movement, Dr. Oliva described how she believes Dr. William Sadler was more than likely the actual sleeping subject. When going through his papers, Dr. Oliva found that Sadler had burned all of his papers and all but one diary entry from those early years where he was supposedly visiting with the sleeping subject. Based on her extensive research, Dr. Oliva concluded in her interview, Dr. Sadler most probably is the contact for the celestial beings. And this was an interesting interview I told you because I was you start watching at the beginning and you're like, oh, yeah, she's like a third party, uninterested. And about halfway through, you're like, oh, she buys all this. She <laughs> follows it 100%. But it's interesting that 
even as seeming she's it's that's what I took from it. It seemed like that to me. But even though that she seems to adhere to these beliefs or at least somewhat subscribe to them, she was very impartial in that she said, I looked at all this research and I was comparing writing styles. I was comparing, you know, the subjects he was interested in versus the subjects that the book is talking about, the ties, some similarities in Seventh-day Adventist beliefs that were transported here that he would have been raised on. And then also just like she said, he was such a record keeper. And then the records that would have referred to like who the subject was or if it was really him or what his plans were all burned. Mm. Yeah, that seems sus. So the inner sanctum, the inner circle, do you think they really knew it was him? Or do you think he was even lying to them and saying Here's the true identity, but not admitting it was him. It seemed from her research that there was not a sleeping subject at all, that it was. And the inner circle knew of that? And that, yeah. And that's why it was only literally people that were related to them. Even Christy Christensen was like an adopted daughter, but like they, I mean, she was part of the family. And then their son, of course, would have known. And then the cousins, the Kellogg cousins were Lena's cousins. So, yeah, I would imagine they would all know. And maybe it was that. He was getting these messages in dreams and would wake up and write them down, but didn't want people to think that he was, you know, hallucinating or delusional. And also, I guess it's probably hard to say, oh, I had this extraterrestrial vision and it creates a whole religion when you've written like 20 books that are like anything you think that's paranormal is probably just your own bullshit you need to deal with. That's what I'm saying. It's such a weird jump to Mm -hmm. go from. I mean, it's just like. It doesn't line up. He, it's yeah. like a this duality of personalities and beliefs. Like you said, he took a turn and was just like, flipped the switch. You're like, okay, now you're suddenly very much believe that the aliens mm-hmm. are giving this dude a message. All right. Yeah. Well, but it makes sense that it would be him just given the content. Yeah, for sure. And also, I think he probably told the inner circle that I it's really me, but I really am getting these messages. This is This is for real. And whether he... Thought he was or he was just making the whole thing up. I don't know. Right. It's like, do you have these beliefs and you want to set them out to where they're not going to be challenged or questioned and you're not going to be challenged or questioned. And so then if you say, oh, it was a random third party stranger who was happened to get these messages, then you can kind of pass the buck, but mm-hmm. also stand behind it. Be like, oh, I was the one analyzing them. While a divine transmission may seem harmless on the outside. The 2097 pages of the Urantia book include some controversial passages on racial and ethnic differences on our planet and what to do about any disharmony. According to the book, 500,000 years ago, six colors of races appeared on our planet of Urantia. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and indigo. The text then puts the races into a hierarchy. According to paper 51 of the Urantia book... The earlier races are somewhat superior to the latter. The red man stands far above the indigo, black race. It continues. The yellow race usually enslaves the green, while the blue man subdues the indigo. In Urantia teachings, blue man correlates to those of the Caucasian race, and indigo correlates to those with black skin. Yeah! There it is. the record scratch moment we've all been waiting for. Yeah, and also... Don't fucking bring Roy G. Biv into your bullshit. Don't fuck with rainbows. They've done nothing but bring everybody happiness and joy. And then you're going to try and act like this is some kind of racist rainbow? Yeah, fuck A race you. Bow? Don't, 
race boat. Fuck you and your race boat. Roy G. Biv would never. never. Roy G. Biv is inclusive and no one's better or there's no hierarchy with Roy G. Biv. It's just an order. It's all in the same line. It's not like it goes like an acrostic poem, Roy G. Biv down. I feel like the letters go across like on a line. Yeah. And we're all just standing next to each other based on prisms and not based on this weird white supremacy. Yeah, it's it's um like a cutesy way to talk about white supremacy but we can't really be racist because we're just using the the rainbow colors yeah nice try ding dongs you gave the the key to the the code it's like it's coded language but you just said the key what it is you're like the best ones are the blue ones which are white (laughs) fyi but anyway we're not talking about like white people right they're blue and you're like fuck you and they rule over the indigo which is the ones that are black but they're but really they're just indigo and that's just because indigo is at the bottom of the rainbow they're like it's not it's not personal and it's like yeah bitch you're the one that wrote it though which would that would then also explain why he would be like well i didn't write this right the alien said it to this guy that had sleep apnea, and then now I'm the one writing it. All out with Christy, actually. Christy Christensen, she, she's, she wrote it, yeah. right? I'm just making it into a book. It really can, you can distance yourself from It's a from good way to thieves. absolve yourself from the bad and take credit for the good. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a genius plan. Yeah, the debunker has, he's made himself bunk proof, and, all, and also he can't really get in trouble because he's just like, listen. Yeah, I'm just a messenger. Don't shoot me. God said it. Mm-hmm. Journalist Megan Giller uncovered the Urantia teachings for Van Wink's magazine in a 2016 article and compared the Urantia book's passages on eugenics to that of Hitler's Mein Kampf. For instance, paper 70 of the Urantia book claims that suffering, illness, and disease are a result of unfit classes of humans like... Australian natives and the Bushmen and Pygmies of Africa because these miserable remnants of the non-social people of ancient times have yet to be eliminated. Yeah, they listed off non-white people and then just said, well, we, the planet would be better if you would have just bred them out. Yeah. Yeah. So did Hitler. Sorry, Australia listeners. Yeah. We love you. So this is, it's. All these things, like at first, you're like, okay, I can get on board. This kind of makes sense. And then they all take a real hard left. Yeah. All these cults, all these like fringe religions, none of them are ever just like, and that's it. We're really just going to preach kindness and make tea with cool messages. And that's it, everybody. Nothing else. Nothing weird. Nope. There's always got to be some sus. There's some sort of. Usually patriarchy, white supremacy, maybe sometimes both in this case, you know, they come in and ruin the party. Yeah. And shout out to Megan Giller for writing this article because it was right around 2016. So this book, the you got to read this book, the most Eagle interview came out in 2007. And your like I said, other than people kind of passing the books to each other, it is not a widespread religion. It's not even, you know, it's not I've like I've never science. heard of it. Right. We hadn't heard of it until someone messaged us. And it wasn't really until the that book with Mo Siegel came out or his interview or, or it's not really an interview. I guess he wrote a chapter that was like, this is what this book means to me. And then it was when Norman Lear was going to write his memoir that then Dr. S- Dr. Oliva had written her research about it's like as it was getting bigger and people with more to lose like you know the creator of a really famous brand or a beloved television star want to publicly say they're a part of it it, they started uncovering this stuff and then it starts to get uncomfortable and journalists like megan giller 
deserve the credit for peeling that pa- that carpet up and going, oh, what do we have under here? <laughs> yeah. It looks a lot like what Hitler wrote. Yes. Giller also exposed early writings of both Lena and William Sadler, in which both doctors pushed for eugenics or planned breeding with an eye toward racial improvement as the answer to ending many of society's ills. In a speech before the Illinois Federation of Women's Clubs, Lena Sadler promised that eugenics would cure. At least 90% of crime, insanity, feeble-mindedness, moronism, and abnormal sexuality, not to mention many other forms of defectiveness and degeneracy. Thus, within a century, our asylums, prisons, and state hospitals would be largely emptied of their present victims of human woe and misery. So now we're uh, also isolating anyone that isn't straight. Yeah. So you basically uh, straight, white, cis people. Yes. That's who we want and everyone else. Oh, also, you can't have any kind of mental health problems. So that eliminates everybody because I have a working theory that everyone has mental health problems because how could we not? Some some people have them more than others. Mm -hmm. But to put all of this in like... This is what's wrong with our world. And if we just breed all of this out, we're going to be so happy. No. And also, who gets to decide what's normal, what's right, what's that thing that's okay and Mm -hmm. acceptable, and what is other, bad, not good? And again, you see, also, it's ableist. I mean, they're saying any forms of, if you have any type of disability, if Mm -hmm. you're living with any issues that could be i would say that would be visible that they would say like oh well (laughs) we don't want that that's defective you're like no everybody has uh, to your point on mental health i think everybody's got something right we all got something going on up there brain's a tricky place it is and we don't even know what the fuck is going on up there by Mm -hmm. the way but we all got something but having this pushing for this idea of we need our happiness will follow with blank of like Oh, as long as we're all white, heterosexual, cisgender, fully able-bodied, 100% healthy, I'm using air quotes, zero mental health issues, that's happiness. It's like, no, you nut job, that's not happiness. That is, in, that's a, a person who, I mean, it's Hitler-ish is what it sounds like to me, but it's also, you're striving for a fake, a false sense of perfection when, and instead of saying everybody as they are is exactly how they should be, and all we should try to do for our fellow person is to to lessen their suffering as much as we can, and not just kill them, or just be like, they'd yeah. be better if they weren't born. It's like, well, how about they're here, and let's be joyful and find a way to love them. You're also going to be left with a planet with no one. Yeah. I don't think anybody falls into all of those categories. Yeah. No, they don't. And this was around the time, and my brain is very fuzzy on this because we're talking about this and not other stuff, and I only have so much RAM, but lost Supreme Court case that involved like eugenics and and selective breeding and mandatory sterilization of people with different disorders or disabilities. And that in the late 1930s was kind of the time that that was rising in mid to late 1930s. And ironically, then like Hitler was like, yeah, man, me too. And then the 40s, he took it to the next level. And so it's day, it shows you the danger and the insidiousness of respected physicians speaking this way Mm -hmm. because it gets adopted by people that'll take it all the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're like, well, they, he's a self proclaimed psychiatrist. She's an OBGYN. Surely they're very smart intellectuals. They wouldn't believe some crazy thing. 
Well, you'd be surprised. Sinisterhood will be right back. The article titled The 20 Most Asked Questions, co-written by Mo Siegel, is available on the official website, urantiabook.org. However, the references to eugenics seem to have been removed. Instead, it contains messages of racial harmony. Yeah, in her article, Megan Giller quoted this kind of official compendium to the Urantia book that was co-written by Mo Siegel, Mr. Sleepy Time T, and some of the quotes out of it were about selective breeding and... Yeah, he bought into it. It yeah. wasn't just the everybody loves each other stuff he was he was buying into. Yeah. But it's conveniently left out of the websites. Well, it was all, she's like I I mean at the time she read it, it was on there, these references to eugenics and whatnot, and then she reaches out like, "Hey, I just had out to the Urantia Foundation and to him like, I'm writing this article. Do you have any comment?" They delete, refused delete, to comment. Delete, delete, delete. Interesting that the website's been mm-hmm. updated. The page currently reads, One's relationship with people of different races should begin by ignoring obvious but irrelevant differences and observing the more significant commonalities. It urges followers to Eliminate all personal racial prejudice and accept every person upon the basis of his or her true social and moral development. However, it advises Races should become irrelevant. And urges that unity is the way because Men and women of all races are equally loved children of the same Heavenly Father. A stark contrast with what the Sadlers and Siegel had previously said. Rick Ross, the expert cult deprogrammer, told Giller, The Urantia book itself doesn't represent a destructive cult, but some of its self-proclaimed prophets lead groups that can be seen as destructive cults. The Urantia Foundation still publishes the Urantia book to this day. Group meetings are still held in the Chicagoland area, with one scheduled for June of 2023. International groups, including the Australia and New Zealand Urantia Association, meet worldwide, with upcoming meetings scheduled in Perth, Australia, and Baltimore, Maryland. Very stupid. <laughs> different places this for is all going. Over. It's something for everybody. Yeah. Pro-Urantia publications have name-dropped celebrity adherents, including Willie Nelson, Jimi Hendrix, Jerry Garcia, Jackie Gleason, Norman Lear, and Deepak Chopra. One of its most avid promoters, Mo Siegel, the creator of Sleepy Time Tea, currently serves as a trustee of Urantia Foundation. Today, Celestial Seasonings is owned by the publicly traded parent company, Haynes Celestial. It remains the largest manufacturer and marketer of specialist teas in North America and serves more than 1.6 billion cups of tea a year. So what do we think? Oh, well. Well, the kind of good news is, yeah, the owners, which would have included Mo Siegel, sold it to Kraft Heinz in the late 80s, and then they bought it back through a leveraged buyout, and then later turned it into Haynes Celestial, which now probably makes, if you like kind of earthy snacks, if you like Garden of Eaton, uh, tortilla chips, which I do. They're very good. Or veggie straws. Oh, they yeah. make those. Yeah. So that's Hain Celestial Brands. And it's completely separate. I mean, he's like not on the board. It's like owned by a private. I mean, it is a private equity company, kind of. It's now publicly traded. So it's, you know, it's one of those where you're like, I don't want to drink this eugenics tea. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not, you know, it's, it's very now it's far own. removed from what it once was. Yeah. But I will say, yeah, some of the, the language around it, it does seem kind of like a silly, you know, extraterrestrial cult on the outside, not cult, extraterrestrial religion and kind of harmless on the outside. But 
in one of those 20 most asked questions document that had been on the website at the time of Giller's article, you know, it said, and it was co-written by Mo Siegel, it said, at the present time, mankind loses about as much progress as it makes by ignoring eugenics. And so, I mean, as of up till 2016, that was still an idea of pushing eugenics and separating the races kind of thing was what William Sadler had written about. And so I would just caution all of us that, just because somebody is credentialed, just because they're a doctor, that the scrutinize the language that they're using and what they're using, because I think that's how you get people to be numb to things like eugenics and genocide is being is speaking about it in other terms of, oh, well, you know, people with those disorders. And you're like, no, you're talking about a human being who's like a living with either a, a disease, a disability or something or human beings who just by their our nature have differences. We just all are different. Like as we should be. Yes, we're all different. And so the idea of breeding things out to where only one homogenous group is left is uh, a fool's errand because A, it'll never work. B, it's horrible. It's genocide. And C, that's not the point of life. It's to recognize the differences in each other, not ignoring all races and saying, I see you 100% for who you are and I love you 100% for who you are. And if you're suffering, we'll fix your suffering and not by making you not born. Yeah, it's also a good reminder of how many people out there believe this kind of stuff. I, I I think there's a lot of fringe groups like this that we don't even really know about, but this is 2016 was not that long ago. So to, to be promoting that kind of beliefs and ideologies in modern times is, is scary. I think so. And I think the answer isn't erasing it from the website and replacing it with platitudes about racial harmony. I think it's saying, if you want to continue to believe that or whatever, that's fine. But I think you have to reckon with and grapple with what your religion is saying. And does that comport with your beliefs? And if you are, listen, I'm a eugenicist and I believe all this, then that's cool. Be upfront about it so we know that you're a monster and we don't want to hang out with you and support you. But it's one thing to say, this book changed my life. And I will say these problematic things about eugenics, eugenics, I don't believe. I abhor what they said. These are the things I'm doing to be contrite about what's happened, not just why well, I deleted this off the website. It, yeah, like William Sadler just straight up said, you know, I don't believe in interracial marriage. I don't I think races are inferior to others instead of understanding that you're looking at the world through a white European Christian viewpoint and saying, oh, it's just different. It's not less evolved than me. It's different than me. And maybe I'm less evolved. It gets me. It's like whenever we're in the States, right? We don't have a national language. And when any dumbass is like, why don't they speak English? I'm like, why don't you speak other languages? Mm-hmm. Like, if you go to Europe, well, I got on a train and I was going between the, I don't remember where we were. Anyway, it was like my post-law school trip. And it was, oh, we had stopped in Italy and all the soldiers, you know, they check your uh, thing at the border, check your passport or whatever. They all spoke English and French and Italian, and some of them also spoke German. And so it's like, it to me, thinking, oh, just because someone's different, they speak a different language, they're less evolved than me. I'm like, no, they're different, and what can you learn and do better? And it's good for your brain, so learn other languages too. But, yeah. Well, if you uh, get a hankering for some sleepy time tea, that's okay. It's okay. It's, you know, now you know. Yes. Maybe you read into those little quotes on the side of the tea bag a little differently now uh, it's one of those where you're like it's so sterilized and 
publicly traded and vetted. That's, you know, it's nothing connected anymore. You're, are you taking a big sip of eugenics? No. <laughs> are you taking a big sip of capitalism every day? All the time. Everything you in, in everything you ingest and wear and everything was mm-hmm. made by somebody somewhere. Yep. Our planet. Some people say it's flat. I say triangle. <laughs> triangle shape. <laughs> Everything's a pyramid scheme. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And it's, you know what? A pyramid, a 3D pyramid is a prism. And when you <gasps> shine the sun on it. Damn. Roy G. Biv, once you're God. Yeah. <laughs> We love providing Sinisterhood You at No Cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the rolling the airwaves and getting into it tiers, a special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And patrons at the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month that they would like to see us live stream. This month's bonus content stream will be March 31st at 2 p.m. Central. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month's is the 29th at 8 p.m. Central. Get those questions ready. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com, click shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlist from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood, and we're on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. We're also on Cameo. If you want to go to Cameo.com slash Sinisterhood, you can have us send you a special video shout out. We're going to be on the road. We're still doing them. So yeah. you can get a, a, a roadie cameo. A rodeo cameo. <laughs> rodeo cameo. But for real, we'll be like in the woods. So maybe we'll do a cool, if you get a cameo, by the time you hear this on Wednesday, get a cameo between Wednesday and Sunday, you might get a nice Pacific Northwesty, foresty mm-hmm. looking cameo. So cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the internet? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? Oh, I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. TikTok, don't stop. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout-outs. Mooney Mood. Chelsea Lawson. Lynn Wilson. Kim Wyndham. Hannah Luft. Andrew Cortez. Geek Girls Rule. Lauren Pasek. Sarah Messinger. Katie Karkowski. Bethany Moore. Charlene Granger. Elizabeth Edelson. Mick Shaddy. Jessica Phillip. Brooke McAuliffe. Brindlin. Danielle Trudeau. Kate Eden. Annalore Coppins. Jen Kinsey. Krista Dahl. Natasha B. Megan Reckner. Jenna something. Jacqueline K. Pacone. Bree Gerdhofer. Melissa Skinner. Caitlin Kessler. Candace Love. Erica Kenny. And Greer. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We sincerely appreciate and love each and every one of you. We hope we pronounced your names correctly. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Mwahaha. <laughs> Sinister.